0: Hey, St. John! Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I'm Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam.
1: Hi, Deaconess. How you doing?
0: I'm great. How are you doing? I just swell. Today we will be discussing the sermon from this past Sunday, where we observed the Festival of St. Philip in St. James. This is different. Yeah. Is it still Easter? Still Easter. Still Easter, but we changed the pyramids, the banners. We were red on Sunday, not white.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like uh, when we can and uh, break out the red. For uh, different Sundays.
0: So this Sunday, you decided to take a break from the season of Easter and bring into your sermon St. Philip and St. James. Now, can you tell me why you decided to change the focus? Because you also, I mean, the reading was Isaiah 30, which is what our bulletin said the sermon was based on. But at least when I heard the sermon, I didn't really catch much from the text. Do you want to talk about that?
1: So I think there's a couple questions in there. The church year has these different feast days or festivals, and they're kind of peppered throughout the year. And when these fall on a Sunday, it's kind of nice to observe them, I found, to give some variety, uh, to kind of break from the monotony, especially when we get into the summer of green, 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 you know, week after week. And the readings also vary a little bit as well. And so the first piece is just, it's nice to kind of break away. And so when these feast days fall on a Sunday, it's nice to to do that. But yet another question about how much did I focus on the Old Testament reading that I said the sermon was based on? That's that's a fair question. Sometimes uh, a sermon might be more on a theme rather than on the text. It is not that the sermon wasn't uh, grounded in the text or wasn't, you know, textually true to the scriptures or something like that. But especially on a day like this, when it's the festival of St. Philip and St. James, this Old Testament reading from Isaiah was selected in light of that reality, in light of thinking about that. So sometimes, like Christmas Eve, uh, even if I wanted to preach on like whatever Old Testament reading is set aside for Christmas Eve, or First John 4, I think, is one of the epistle readings for Christmas Eve, you still got to get to the manger. You still got to go to the stable. Uh, the, the festival or the occasion kind of governs that.
0: So speaking about this festival, I had a question submitted that wanted to know when was the calendar of festivals established?
1: Uh, I don't fully know. I did a little poking around when he gave me this question, and I'm guessing the Googles and the Wikipedias of the world would help. But from what I could see, it's just something that's always been growing as the church, and it kind of depends on different traditions, and there's some ebb and flow with what days to observe and whatnot. But pretty early on, uh the church would have these days where they remember their their fellow congregation members, their loved ones who had who had died in the past year. We think about like All Saints Day. And over time it just seemed fitting to remember, you know, these people in the church.
0: Well, I do think isn't there a festival for Luther as well?
1: Okay. Yeah. And so this is where some of the terms comes in. Uh, I think we'll say that there's a commemoration.
0: Commemoration's commemoration.
1: Commemoration. Okay. Yeah. And so
0: so we're still adding to it I guess that's what I'm wondering
1: yeah 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 and so uh, we wouldn't ever like observe like Luther's commemoration on a Sunday uh, there are these kind of feasts and festivals like, like the Reformation a, right the Reformation we do um, but like one of the things that comes out of the Lutheran Reformation is Luther kind of pulls away a lot of that from the calendar because you know you just kind of kept adding this and this and this Saint and all this and it gets so clogged up that you just have no kind of normalcy, I guess. And you can get so focused on, oh, this day is about this person, this day is about this person, rather than the entirety of the church's existence is on Christ. It's supposed to be focused on him. You know, the church year basically just walks in a circle around the cross and the tomb. And so even when we have these days where we think about different saints, and especially in this case, two of Jesus's apostles, they need to point us to Christ. That's the purpose of the festival, not... To remember these two, but how do these two show us Jesus and help us see him more clearly?
0: So the other question that I received from a member has to actually do with Isaiah 30. So I think before we get into the discussion about what your sermon talks about, um, let's just go to that that reading real quick. Um, Isaiah 30, eighteen through twenty-one. The question is, who is speaking to whom in the text? Is this text a Promise for all, and in what way?
1: That's a great question. And what I appreciate about that question is it's trying to remember what what's the context. That just because you open up your Bible and just start reading words, I mean, yes, God is still speaking through His scriptures. The Holy Spirit is working through them, but there is an immediate context for when they were first written. And so, in this case, you know, it's Isaiah, you know, God's prophet speaking to the uh, to the people of of Jerusalem. If I remember right, uh, the Assyrians were Uh, Coming upon the city, you have Sennacherib, you know, their leader. And uh, this is a a really fretful time. And so Isaiah is, as God's prophet, is speaking to the people of Jerusalem. That's why you get like the the bread of affliction, the water of adversity. Uh, Part of those phrases, they refer to the rations during a siege, I mean, this is, the you know, the, the city's being locked up and here comes the enemy army and will we survive? And so that's the initial audience that's there. Now, uh, why bring this up? Why does this reading come in and why does it matter for us today? I think the language of this is the way, walk in it. And just as Isaiah is encouraging God's people in that day to focus on God's way, to trust that the Lord's way will will lead to ultimate safety and life and forgiveness and restoration
0: kind of reminds me of psalm one
1: yeah yeah yeah, psalm one yeah the about walking in the way of the righteous and all that in the way of the wicked yeah absolutely and then think about this um this festival of philip and james the gospel and they select us from john 14 where jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life and so you see very nicely how the old testament reading feeds into the gospel which is very intentional. Most every week, the Old Testament reading has a really nice connection to the gospel reading um, in our lectionary.
0: Let's go back to the sermon. What would you say is the central teaching of it?
1: I would say the, the central teaching is that Jesus remembers our names, that Jesus remembers us.
0: Kind of going back to the beginning when you brought up that question in your sermon, so why Philip and James? And that was your second reason that Jesus remembers them. Mm -hmm. And so then you're saying Jesus also remembers all of us as well.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because even though Philip and James, they get this uh, title of apostle and this status within the church.
0: We don't know a whole lot about them. We
1: don't know a whole lot about them, which is a stunning thing that we don't have much information about these apostles whom Jesus had chosen, how much that relates to how
0: our Lord remembers us. And that's why I think your example in the sermon was just so good about the member that you would visit who would talk about his funeral and would not want him to be discussed or to be you know talked about in the sermon. He wanted it focused on Jesus, all of it. and how maybe the example of Philip and James that can be for us as well, that it's it's all about Christ that we're, we're pointing to him ultimately.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it comes to a Christian funeral, it is, not, it is not about the deceased. It's still all about Jesus. And while we are mourning you know, the, the deceased, the, you know, the, the member of the brother or sister in Christ that has died, we are focused on Christ. And so even if I share stories or good memories, and usually I have a discussion like this at the funeral home with the family, uh, there's a lot of reminiscing uh, when death occurs. If I bring any of those things into the sermon, It is intended to serve the preaching of Christ and how Christ is the one who will raise this loved one from the dead. Jesus has not forgotten this loved one, uh, because if all we have are good memories of our loved ones, then death hasn't been defeated. You know, we need the one who will rescue us. And that's why, as Christians, our, our funerals should always be focused on Christ.
0: It reminds me of that verse that says that our lives are hidden in Christ, which I think ever since we've, we had been baptized, we've been clothed in him, mm. mm-hmm. that he's now our identity. Yeah.
1: And so I, yeah, that, yeah, yeah.
0: it's just a good reminder, I think, from birth, spiritual birth to, to our physical deaths, we are clothed in Christ.
1: Yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. And how when, when the Father looks at us, he sees his son because we've been clothed in Christ. You know, this is why we put the, the the Paul in the casket. You know They've been clothed in Christ in their baptism. And so this is how we regard each other, right? As in Christ. And this is how the Father sees us, and this is why the Father will raise us in the last day.
0: What was the problem that the sermon sought to identify?
1: Uh, the problem the sermon sought to identify, I think it kind of depends uh, who you are as the hearer, because I think it can cut two ways. I think one is someone who thinks quite highly of themselves. And to remember that it's not about you, <laughs> but it's about Christ. you not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, as Paul reminds us. And to remind us that even these apostles are not that well-remembered in the church. You know, we got their names, and that's about it. And so I think that's one problem the sermon is looking at is, you know, tempering arrogance and pride. And yet the other way, and it's kind of the opposite, is someone who fears being forgotten someone who thinks that they don't matter you know who are they in the grand scheme of the church you know they're not going to get a, a feast and festival day with their name or commemoration or whatever who are who, who are they who are we and the beauty of the gospel is uh you are of such value to your god he remembers you by name he died for you and you're never forgotten by him. You're never forsaken. And he has brought you in the way. And even just thinking back to the, the Isaiah reading, this you know the, the siege that is coming upon the city, how isolated and desolate and fearful would you be in such a situation like that? Has God abandoned and forgotten us? No. In fact, our God comes down to us, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he comes for each and every one of us. And we matter that much to him. So I think depending on the hearer, to your question, it's either dealing with tempering some arrogance and pride, or to someone that's more fearful of, of despair or loneliness or being forgotten, you are not forgotten by your Savior.
0: That's interesting how a sermon can cut both ways. And I, I like what, what you said. I mean, you have different hearers mm-hmm. in, like in the pews, so it's cool to be able to hear something and you're speaking to both.
1: Yeah, and so either way, whether... Both who
0: need to hear the, the law, but then also... The, the gospel.
1: Right, yeah, and the gospel is just as much for both. That if I'm fearful of, of being uh, forgotten, no, no, Jesus remembers you. Or I recognize my sin of, yeah, I do think of myself more highly than I ought. Well, thankfully Christ has forgiven that, and he still will not forget you either. You belong to him.
0: That's true, because yeah, when we need to hear the law, it's always to make way for the good news of Christ. So you, you started to then answer my next question about how was Jesus the medicine? Do you have anything to add to that besides Jesus? I mean, you mentioned how like Jesus remembers us. What else?
1: Jesus, yeah, he remembers us. He doesn't forget us. And I was trying to think of like what's a way to uh, give us an image of what does that look like? And I started talking about how the blood of Jesus is like ink. Revelation mentions the book of life and how our, our names are written in that book. And on a day where we remember specific names of specific saints— more importantly, all of our names are written in that book. And so the image of Jesus' blood is the ink, uh, that this blood uh, identifies us and names us. And I thought that was an image that'd be worth uh, highlighting for how Jesus does not forget us. You know, it's written in his blood.
0: Yeah, and that's quite an image to just meditate on as well. So, where do you think we can find the sermons teaching in the small catechism?
1: Uh, in the second article of the Creed, we focus on how Jesus, uh, the Son of God, has saved us, right? You know, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, buried, and so on. He rose from the dead. And in the explanation, Luther does a nice summary of this, how Jesus is true God and true man. Born of the Virgin Mary, he is my Lord, and listen to all the things that Jesus has done. I love the verbs in his explanation to the second article. It says, "Who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death? And then I love this part, that I may be His own." And live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives, and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. That language of that I may be his own. We have been purchased, we have been bought. Christ has clothed us as we discussed, he has written our names down for the resurrection in his blood. We belong to him, and if we belong to him, we matter. We're not forgotten.
0: Even if the rest of the world forgets us. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, and, and, and that was one of the pieces of the sermon, too, that by the church having this day of remembering people like Philip and James, it is a reminder of how Jesus never forgets us. That's why I love when we have days like All Saints Day, where we read aloud the names of our brothers and sisters here who have, who have died in the past year, and it's a reminder that they're not forgotten. That's, that is how it is in the kingdom. That's how it is in Christ's reign, that uh, you've been named a Christian. It's never forgotten. Jesus doesn't take it away from you.
0: Yeah, I really I like that. It reminds us, I mean, so often the world looks at someone's deeds, and that's like how they're remembered, for better or for worse. And then that can fade in the background. Usually does. Um, but then because our God does not fade and he's eternal, like, these saints are remembered not because of their deeds, but because of what God has done for them. Because of who God is,
1: God remembers us not because of what we've done, uh, but because of what God says about us and what He has done for us.
0: And everything that is His is ours now. So
1: yeah, uh, we are we are heirs, or we are co-heirs. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we are, um, and Jesus is our brother. Uh, we have been made to look like him right we've been clothed in him we have become co-heirs with him of all the father's glory and love and kindness and so on
0: something else i want to bring up from your sermon that i really enjoyed and i think was a good way to kind of get people's attention was at the beginning you just flat out said i made a mistake <laughs> yeah and kind of do you want to talk about why you said that
1: uh, yeah, because I really did feel like that at one point uh, during the week. Uh, this was not the easiest sermon to write. Uh, like I said, I usually like these feast days. They give some variety to preaching. They have different readings. And there's you know, often kind of cool stories that can be brought up. And pretty quickly I realized there's not a whole lot that can be said here. You know, what, what do I do? And and so some of that was kind of an admission of my struggle in, in the sermon writing. <laughs> like but, yeah, you really
0: did make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And
1: so... <laughs> Thinking about that, and I'm already stuck, uh, and it's later in the week by this point, I was like, well, maybe I could leverage that into the sermon. You know, I was going to the sermon thinking I could talk about some cool stories, or here's a nice Bible verse, or, you know, whatever. But that would be all about those two apostles.
0: Or is it too late to change it from the festival back to normal Easter Sunday?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Bolton's were pretty much uh, set. Oh, that You couldn't do that? No, no, no. I I like him too much to do that to her, so... (laughs) Uh, no, and so I was like, why don't I leverage that then? This idea of I, I wanted to look at something kind of cool or special or kind of grandiose about these apostles, and I didn't find it. Well, maybe that's actually part of the point, that uh, we still remember them, why Jesus remembers them. And that's why even when I shared the story about the member from our congregation who you know requested to have Jesus at his, you know, proclaimed at his funeral that Jesus would be the focus, I chose not to list that member's name. Uh, that was a bit intentional, and, and part of it was to make sure our, our focus is on Christ. As that member uh, instructed me rightly to do at his funeral, it was to proclaim Christ to focus on him.
0: Thanks, Pastor. This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you guys for listening to the discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or want to listen to it again, the link to the sermons in the show notes, and you can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org, or if you'd prefer to text a question, please text the phone number found in the show notes. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the Word this week.
1: Absolutely. Uh, do you remember what Sunday's coming up?
0: No. It's what? Good Shepherd Sunday. Good Shepherd Sunday, that's right. Good Shepherd Excellent. Sunday. Yeah. And vicar's preaching.
1: Yeah, vicar's preaching. And uh, when did Good Shepherd Sunday start? I don't know, but it's a pretty early on celebration that during Easter, the church has felt it worthwhile to focus on this image of Christ as our shepherd. So we'll see what a vicar does with it. And if I remember right, the Acts reading that's coming up is one of my favorite readings, especially thinking about um, being a pastor and uh, the task of being an under-shepherd to the shepherd. So I don't know what he's preaching on, but I like that reading from Acts. So we'll see.
0: All right. Take care, you guys. Bye.
1: See y'all.